the average age that a woman has her first child? 28? 20? You still got it wrong, but you're close. <laughs> 24.8 years is the average age of a woman having her first baby. What do you think are the odds of having twins? It's one in something. Anybody know? One in a hundred? More or less? One in 33. Yes. I don't make this stuff up. It comes off the internet, so it has to be true, doesn't it? Doesn't it? You have a 1 in 33 chance of giving birth to twins. Beyond that, triplets and above, you have a 1 in 539 chance. What month is the most popular to have a baby? September? August. August is the most popular month. How many of you were born in August? Well, see, we got several August babies in here. What day of the week? Yeah, what day of the week is uh, the most popular to have a baby? <laughs> Tuesday. How many of you were born on a Tuesday? How many of you have no clue on what day you were born? <laughs> you know, I didn't know for the longest time till I got on the internet and I looked up. October 24th, 1956, what day of the week was it? So I was born on a Wednesday. Do we have anybody in here that had kids less than two years apart? Do we have anybody that had kids less than 18 months apart? Do we have anybody that had kids less than one year apart? Okay. Do you know what the record is? Jane, or Jane Bleakley. Jane Bleakley had her first child September 3rd, 1999. She had her second child March 30th, 2000. 208 days apart, which is just under seven months. Can anybody say that's crazy? That's crazy, yeah. Did anybody have children more than 10 years apart? You know, you, had, you gave birth to one and it was over 10 years before you had another one? No, five years apart? You all had children close together, didn't you? Well, not this lady. Elizabeth Butel. Holds the record for the longest period of time between pregnancies. She gave birth to her first child on May 19, 1956. She gave birth to her second child November 20, 1997. 41 years and 185 days apart. She was 18 when she had her first child. She was 60 when she had her second child. Can anybody say that's crazy? <laughs> that's crazy. All right. <laughs> I'm going to start getting amens out of you pretty soon. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working it. Did anybody give birth to a child after age 40? Nobody in here? Well, you're not even close. The record for the 
oldest woman having a baby was in India. She gave birth at age 65. She was married 50 years before she had a child. Can anybody say, that's crazy? <laughs> that's crazy. All right, did anybody in here have more than five kids? I know you did. Anybody have more than 10 kids? Where's <laughs> the, how many did you have, Janine? Seven. Can anybody say that's crazy? <laughs> no, no, no. Do you know what the record is for most children born to a single mom? I don't mean a single mom is an unmarried mom, but one woman. 20? I hear 20. Anybody want to go higher? 21? <laughs> you got to keep going. Keep going. 69. A woman in Russia between 1725 and 1765, that's a period of 40 years, gave birth to 69 children. She was pregnant 27 times, gave birth to 16 pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets, and four sets of quadruplets. Can anybody say that's crazy? <laughs> that's crazy. All right. Just, uh, just some interesting things I wanted to share with you around Mother's Day. And since it's Mother's Day, I thought I would single out a quality that I have discovered in every mother I have ever known. Now, there are many I could choose from. I could talk about a mother's love. I could talk about her sacrifices for her family. I could talk about her wisdom. But let's talk about her worrying. <laughs> Do you think being a worrier is synonymous with being a mother? I've never met a mother that didn't worry <laughs> about her family, about her children. My mother was a prime example. My mother worried if I went out to play. And she worried if I stayed in the house and didn't go out to play. My mother worried if I walked somewhere because I might get run over by a car. She worried if I rode my bike because I might have a crash. And she worried if I drove the car because I might have an accident. When I was a teenager, my mother worried if I wasn't dating anybody because I might end up alone. And if I was dating somebody, she was worried because they weren't the right kind of girl. In fact, one of the main reasons I married Sue is she is the first woman that my mother said, I kind of like her. I'm done. <laughs> I just told her, I said, look, we got to do this. <laughs> I'm so tired of trying to find somebody my mom likes. <laughs> you know, worrying is just natural for a mother. When you have that much love and care for someone as you do for your children, you can't help but worry about them. But when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, the Bible tells us there really is no need for and no place for worry. 
Bible has a lot to say about worry, and it's all negative. <laughs> Let me read you something Jesus said in Matthew 6. I'm going to start with verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, and is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now if your Bible is like mine, it's got the scripture divided into, into sections. And over each section, there is a, a heading in bold print. And the heading over the section I just read to you says, Do not worry. Well, that settles that, doesn't it? Bible says, Do not worry. So therefore, from this day forward, not a single one of us will worry again. Anybody want to say that's crazy? <laughs> Has some well-meaning person ever come to you when you were pretty anxious and worried about something and said, well, don't worry? And you said, oh, well, thank you. <sighs> That's all better. <laughs> Did you stop worrying because someone told you not to? Probably not. Have you ever told somebody you were wanting to help in a well-meaning way? Don't worry. It's going to be okay. And they immediately stopped worrying. Probably not. You know, we're not wired that way. We don't stop worrying just because someone says we shouldn't worry. We only stop worrying when we have a good reason not to anymore. And that's what Jesus gives us in this little passage. He doesn't just say, don't worry. But he gives us some good reasons why we don't need to anymore. You could kind of sum up a lot of what he said there by just saying, don't worry because worry is foolish. It's foolish to worry. It doesn't make sense, it doesn't accomplish anything, and it doesn't help the situation. Has anyone ever improved a situation in their life because they worried about it? I haven't. It's been said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't go anywhere. I kind of like that. In this scripture, Jesus calls our attention to nature. And he said, look. He said, God created the birds. And do the birds produce food for themselves? They don't grow crops. They don't build barns and put crops in it. 
The Heavenly Father has provided in nature the food that they need. He said, look at the, the beautiful flowers. The flowers don't produce their own beauty. God created them beautiful, and they simply display it. So if God takes care of birds and flowers, and the Bible says that humanity is the pinnacle of God's creation, doesn't it stand to reason that he might take care of you also? In fact, in Matthew 10, Jesus kind of continued this train of thought. He said, are, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth far more than sparrows. I like that. A couple things I like in there. First of all, that he chose sparrows. In Jesus' day, sparrows were considered kind of the most inferior of birds. You could basically buy two of them for a penny. Now, he wasn't talking about eagles and hawks and these majestic birds. He talked about sparrows, the most inferior of birds. And he said, if not a single one of these basically worthless birds can fall to the ground without the father noticing and caring, don't you think... He's looking out for your life as well. I can't remember who it was, but at every Billy Graham crusade, somebody used to sing that beautiful old song, His Eye is on the Sparrow, so I know he watches me. I love this little poem. I learned this poem as a child. But I couldn't remember all of it, so I had to write it down. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. I like that. It's taken directly from that scripture I read you. Remember the birds, remember the flowers, remember how God cares for the least of that which he has created. And if he cares for that, how much more must he care for us? And then to drive his point home, he asked a, he asked a, a pointed question. Which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And we could expand upon that. Who by worrying has added value to their life, has enriched their life, has added quality to their life? Does worry do that? No, in fact, worry does the opposite of that, doesn't it? Worrying diminishes our life. Worrying robs us of joy and peace. Worrying can actually reduce your life because worry produces stress and too much stress can kill you. So Jesus is saying, if worry can't add any value to your life, if it can't improve any situation, if it can't do anything good for you, then why in the world would you spend time doing it? Would we not be better off turning our worry time into prayer time? Because another promise Jesus makes is in Philippians 4, 
6 and 7. He said, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Notice how inclusive that statement is. Don't be anxious, which is another word for worry, about anything. But in everything, take it to the Lord in prayer. You know, it really all comes down to a matter of trust. We tend to worry because we don't trust that the person who is responsible for something or the circumstance in which we're in is going to work out. We worry because we don't have enough faith in the person or the situation. But if God is ultimately in control of our lives and we have committed our lives to God, then when we worry, we're basically saying, Lord, I'm not sure I can trust you. I don't know if I can count on you to get me through this time of hardship. I don't know if you're going to be with me this time like you were the time before. I don't know if you're going to answer my prayer. I don't know if you will provide the strength I need for the days to come. Do we believe his word when he says he will be with us? Do we believe his word when he says he will never leave us or forsake us? Do we believe his word when he says he will give us what we need when we need it? You know, there's so much we can worry about. Every day presents new candidates for worry. I can worry about whether I'm going to get everything done that I need to do today. Too busy. I can worry if I'm going to have enough money to meet my bills today. And what about when down the road? We can worry about the economy. We can worry about the government. We can worry about our, our families. We can worry about our health I mean, there is no end of things that you can worry about in this world. Or we can bundle it all up and put it in God's hands and trust that he will take care of the things that we would worry about. Jesus summed it all up this way. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be yours as well. He said, all those things you'd worry about? Why don't you put me first in your life? Why don't you seek me first? Because if you seek me first, you won't need to worry about that because you'll know that I am with you. You'll know that I am bigger than your troubles. You'll know that I care for you more than the birds and the flowers.
So for you moms out there, we give you a pass on the worry because it's part of who you are. <laughs> but when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, let's turn worry into prayer. Let's turn anxiety into trust and put it in the hands of our loving Heavenly Father. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much that even though we live in a world that is full of worries and anxieties and cares, you have promised that if we will place them in your hands, you won't drop them. You won't let them go. You won't dump them back on us. Whatever the need may be, you are there. Whatever we lack, you are more than sufficient to provide. Whatever we might worry about, we can trust that you will be with us. Father, I thank you so much for the care that you give to your creation, to the birds, to the flowers. And may we know that you care for us all the more. For it's in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen.